The Knicks lose once again. A Fear the Fro production. Cleveland came in through the back door and nabbed the spider. Featuring CP the franchise and Stephen A. Smith. Yeah, this is in Brooklyn. They're further down the ladder. Right next to Atlanta, where winning barely matters. This is what I'm going to put out there on the floor. Mediocre. Donovan's a Cavalier. He only comes to visit here. Born way up in Elmsford, practically Connecticut. Went to school in New Hampshire, already got ahead of him. Stayed away in high school, college, again in the league. Has the Knicks faithful singing, Oh, woe is me. Cruising next to Garland, star guard Axis. Torching the untouchable Grimes out of Texas. U-Town. Fro, he came from Brooklyn. Got him for a trash pick. Houston didn't want him so that they could get their ass kicked. I want a star. First, you lost Kyrie. I want a star. Followed up by KD. I want a star. Then you lost Donovan. But hey. Plan D. Jalen Brunson. In New York, none of your first options will come through. There's nothing you can do when you play in New York. Knicks catch another L. If you publicly say what we all knew, James Dolan might ban you. Feel sorry for New York, New York, New Facial recognition complete. Bob Schmidt. Band. Interesting events unfolding. I want to turn the floor over to you. I know there's something you want to say. Yes, thanks, Jen. Um, As you probably have just heard, I want to apologize for that pre-open and my behavior in it. Um, You know, guys, I've preached for the last six and a half minutes, responsibility and accountability. And I take full responsibility for what transpired. It does not matter what our bench did, scoring zero points in the second half, or how many threes Julius Randle hit in our face. Me being the person I am, me having basically nobody who looks up to me, I was wrong. I should have made the pre-open after the game. Instead, I made it before, and I know what happens. Pre-make the open. The outcome goes against you. And I let this game get out of hand. And I want to apologize to a few people. First of all, I want to apologize to the Cavaliers organization. Dan Gilbert, the Gilbert family. I want to apologize for any harm or unwanted failure I brought to your organization tonight. I want to apologize to the fans that were in attendance and the fans that watched on television because that's not what you paid for and that's not what you paid to watch. Bob Schmidt should have made the cold open after the game. Not be someone who let his emotions run high and make a petty cold open before the game, thus ensuring the loss. I want to apologize to the New York Knicks. New York Knicks fans and the organization, I am sorry. More specifically, I want to apologize to Julius Randle. Bruh, I apologize. I wish you the best of luck the rest of the season and continued success. I also want to apologize to my stylist, TJ Maxx. Bruh. You had an impeccable record before you took me on as a client, and I want to apologize for my behavior. And if I caused any smudge on your resume, I am deeply sorry for that. I also want to apologize to LeBron James because you all know how I feel about him. I want to apologize to my family. I want to apologize to my brother, my sister, my mom, and my wife because one day you'll discover I do this podcast, and if you listen to any amount of episodes, You'll be horrified. But I also hope you get a chance to hear this apology that I'm giving because I was wrong. And I'm never going to be too big to say I'm sorry. I'm never going to be too big to say that I was wrong. And in that pre-open, 
I was absolutely wrong. And to my fro family, FTF, guys, I'm sorry for any unwanted attention I bring your way. I hate that you have to answer for anything that I did. What happened to Bob? Why did Bob make that song? I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm not perfect. I am not. And I'm never going to say that's not Bob Schmidt because that was me. That was just me getting smacked down by karma. And for all of those who have paid for my hubris with a Cavalier's loss, I am sorry. Two hands. That'll bring the house down. Three on the way. Good. Garland spins down the lane and laid it in. This crowd has erupted. Welcome to Fear the Fro. A podcast covering the Cleveland Cavaliers and the NBA with the voice of Fox Sports Radio. Figure out a way to stop it. Listen and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. Here it is, my favorite show. And now, your host. His name is Bob Schmidt. Welcome to the Fear the Fro podcast. I am Bob Schmidt, your host. Let's just kill those cheers. I don't deserve those cheers. The Cavaliers certainly don't deserve those cheers as they drop a game to the New York Knicks 105-103. And I alluded to it in the open, but I had a bad feeling about this, in part because I invested far too much time in that stupid song that you heard, and I played it anyway. I want you to know what happens behind the scenes. This is twice now. I did this against the Golden State Warriors. I made a premature victory lap of a cold open because I thought this is about as safe as it gets. They're rolling out a G League lineup with Jordan Poole. There's no way we are losing this game, and we did. And you'll notice on the podcast feed, if you just go to it and Apple or Spotify or wherever, it skips from podcast 70 to 72, and there's a reason for that. Because I was soaring majestically, way too close to the sun, like Icarus, and I burned my stupid wings and crashed to the earth. I did so much dunking on the Golden State Warriors in that cold open that I couldn't even play it. This one was modest, and I feel like in the end, I'll be vindicated because I still think Donovan Mitchell is a monster talent. Now, the Warriors pre-open, I'm losing faith. You'll ever hear it at this point. We have now lost 12 games in a row. Podcast might not even exist by the time I'm able to play the Warriors pre-open. We might be on to just straight telepathy. So yeah, that one's Barry. It's like a dead hooker in the woods, hopefully never to be discovered. So Donovan, tonight, much of the fourth quarter wasn't his night. In fact, that's not really even fair. The final four minutes were not his night. He had a huge three-minute stretch from seven minutes left to four minutes left, but then his luck ran out. He did not score another bucket, but the Cavaliers could easily have lost this game by double digits if not for his heroics in the middle of the fourth quarter. So I was feeling good about midway through the fourth quarter because at about the seven-minute mark, down by 11, Donovan Mitchell, he hit a three-pointer to cut it to eight. Then he picked Randall's pocket, found a Coro who got an and-one bucket. That cut the lead to just five points. And then at the six-minute mark, he buried a huge three to cut it to two points, a 9-0 Cavs run. Now tell me you weren't feeling confident at that point. Tell me, despite the frustration with all the things that transpired before it, a 17-point first quarter from Julius Randle, just a wild rotation pattern in the first half where we played 11 different guys, it felt like, okay, it's closing time. Donovan Mitchell is going to rip the hearts out from these New York Knicks fans, but no. Now, the Cavaliers did manage to tie the game up at 100 on what was two huge plays by Evan Mobley after that point. He got a big tip out 
on a Darius Garland missed free throw that created another chance for the Cavs, which they converted. And then he made the tying bucket, tied it up at 100 apiece on a little running right-handed push shot that went off the backboard and in. But Julius Randle made his eighth three-pointer to stretch the lead to 103-100, and Isaac Okoro committed a foul on Jalen Brunson, which sent him to the line in the bonus, and that accounted for the 105 points. Now, the Cavaliers did have a last gasp. After Mitchell went cold, Garland heated up with about 40 seconds left. He came down the court, drove through the lane, created contact with R.J. Barrett, and finished a reverse layup that came along with a foul. So a three-point play cut the lead to two, and the Knicks' final offensive possession failed. After Julius Randle drove to the rim, missed a shot, and Jared Allen, thinking the ball might be last touched by a Cavalier, grabbed it before it bounced out of bounds and heaved it back into play, unfortunately, to R.J. Barrett of the New York Knicks, standing at the three-point line, who put up a shot because he did not want to get a shot clock violation, but he missed everything. Complete air ball. So with 15 and a half seconds left and trailing by two points, the Cavs had one final possession to either win or tie it up. And the man who got the ball was Donovan Mitchell. Drove into the teeth of the defense. Isaiah Hartenstein went up vertically. The two collided in midair. Hartenstein kind of bowed. But the contest was good enough to force a miss. And in the scramble for the rebound, the offensive rebound landed in the hands of a prone Donovan Mitchell who was lying on the floor, who had the wherewithal to realize, oh shit, the clock's going to run out. Who can I kick this out to? He threw it out towards the three-point line. Evan Mobley caught the ball, fired up a jumper from the left elbow area, 15, 18 feet, somewhere in that range, but it missed. It wasn't a particularly clean look. It was rushed, and the Knicks win, and that's all she wrote. So all of that scrapping and fighting by Mitchell in the middle of the quarter, all that late-game heroics by Evan Mobley, a pretty end-to-end effort, I thought, from Isaac Okoro and Jared Allen, it was not enough. The success was not enough to offset a completely horrible performance from the bench who scored just 12 points, all of which came in the first half, and nine of which came from one man, Karis LeVert. You got a big, fat zilch from Dean, from Kevin, Osman, from Lamar Stevens. It just was not their night. There is going to be a fair amount of criticism that comes from JB. However, I do think it's worth noting that I don't think that this was unplanned. The results, obviously, were unplanned. Did it work? Absolutely not. But JB made the comments before this game. Because for the first time we were healthy, he was going to try some things in the first half. The first half, we got Dean Wade back, we got Ricky Rubio back, we got Mitchell back. He took some liberties. But I think it was somewhat intentional based on his pregame comments. And here's a quote from Danny Cunningham's Twitter that kind of reinforces that. It was in regards to the idea of JB playing Rubio, DG, and Donovan Mitchell all together. And if he, if we we're going to see some lineups that featured the three of them out there on the floor together. JB's quote, again, I mean, you got some decisions to make defensively. We'll try it because I think they can be dynamic. It comes down to defensively what our matchups look like. Do they need both Evan and Jared back there to support them? So again, when you're in the middle of the season, sometimes you got to experiment with some of those things. But experiment in the first half and go try to win the game in the second. 
So that's essentially exactly what he did. But the worst part of the second quarter for me was, despite the fact that we saw some wild lineups, Jared Allen had one of the better quarters we've seen from him. Five for five from the floor was dunking everything, just a dominant showing from him, and it was offset. It it essentially was canceled out by Donovan Mitchell going 0 for 4 and missing all of his shots from range. The Knicks were horrible in the second quarter. They shot 6 for 15 from the floor. And they managed to turn the ball over four times. But despite that, the Cavaliers could not capitalize. 0 for 4 from Garland and Mitchell in the second period from outside the arc. And what could have been a lead going into halftime was still a two-point deficit, despite cutting it. There were some positive signs. The anomaly that was the first quarter, where they made eight three-pointers out of 12 looks. The second quarter, they only took three and they only made one. So you at least stopped the bleeding in terms of three-point shooting. But overall, opposing teams have now made 37.7% against them from the three-point line, which is 27th in the NBA. And the Knicks, a team that averages about 12 three-pointers a game, made 17 against the Cavs. Now, as a frame of reference, the Warriors, the leading three-point maker in the league, makes 16.5 a game. So... They hit about 4,000 against us. I'm sure that's why they vaulted to the top. But regardless, not what you want to see. Better defensive effort in the second quarter, but unfortunately, it highlighted the big fat zero that the bench was going to be giving us on this particular day. Only one of them scored, Karis LeVert. And Donovan Mitchell offset Jared Allen's incredible 5-for-5 performance in the second quarter with a 0-for-4 quarter of his own. So he didn't score... A single point. He had five assists. He had some very good setups to Jared Allen. That was a large part of the reason Allen was just a dunking machine. But to only outscore the Knicks by five points when they shot six for 15, it was frustrating. It was a little bit frustrating. It felt like a missed opportunity. But the Cavs, they were only able to cut that lead of the Knicks to two points by half when they very easily could have been leading. So the Cavs come out of halftime. They rip off a 7-0 run. They take command of the game in the middle of the third quarter, only to let the Knicks finish the third quarter on a 19-6 run and go into the fourth quarter trailing by five. And I've already kind of recapped what happened from there. We got an explosion from Donovan Mitchell in the mid-fourth, and we came up short in the end. I thought Garland was good tonight. I thought he was effective getting to the line. That was a component of Mitchell's game that was missing. Jared Allen dominated, and a lot of that can be attributed to the fact that he was playing against Jericho Sims and Isaiah Hartenstein, who they're serviceable, but they're not Mitchell Robinson. Another 70% night, 24 points, 12 rebounds, and just very good basketball from the fro. He was perhaps the most consistent Cav. I thought Mitchell came out of the gate very good, and I thought Okoro, for whatever you want to say of his offensive contributions, He filled up the box score, 9.6 rebounds, 5 assists, and the leading offensive rebounder for the Cavaliers. He's really been better this season in terms of providing that support on the glass, which was needed when we lost Lowry Markkinen, so I give him credit for that. Mitchell just did not have it tonight. Now, he has good numbers overall, 24-8-8, 4 steals. Defensively, he was solid. I thought Okoro did an excellent job in slowing Jalen Brunson, a man who... I alluded to on the last podcast, was averaging north of 30 points this month in January. Tonight, only scored 14 points. Keep in mind, he came into the night averaging over 30 points a game in the previous 11 games this month. 14 is far and away his worst game of the month. He's only scored below 20 points one other time since the new year, and that was against the Atlanta Hawks. Silver lining 
I guess, in this loss is that Okoro did a damn good job. Now, Randall, on the other hand, in the month of January, 26 points, 15 rebounds, 5 assists. He is making his case for the NBA All-Star Game, and I think it's kind of a safe assumption he'll get in. Now, I talked about the All-Star Game on the last podcast, and in the aftermath, I realized I completely forgot about Kyrie Irving when I was talking about the guards. But the tough part is 12 spots really doesn't go that far. We've all kind of come to an agreement on the consensus that there's four front court guys who are locks. Embiid, Durant, Tatum, Giannis. So those four are in. Mitchell, that's five. Then you've got to pick whatever guard is going to start. I said I think it'll be Jalen Brown, but it could easily be Kyrie Irving. It could be Tyrese Halliburton. It seems to be mainly between those three. So that's eight guys right there, if you assume whoever loses out on the starter spot will be on the roster. And then Siakam. You got Bam Adebayo. You got Julius Randle, Trey Young. That would be 12. You'd hit your cap. So even some of the people we spoke of last time are going to be on the outside. Harden might be that guy because despite his crazy numbers, he just hasn't played nearly as many games. And Brunson and Garland... Their best hope is injury replacement at this point. Jimmy Butler, he's he's still going to be in discussion. And he's a veteran, which is probably going to help him, I would think, the same way that Harden would be helped. It's definitely an outside shot for a Garland or, or even a Brunson. And in fact, in New York, if I wasn't sure before today, I think Julius Randle has all but cemented if somebody's going to be selected, it will be him. But... We'll find out the results of the All-Star voting coming up on Thursday, so probably before I do the next podcast. I mean, we got torched by Randall. That's the be-all, end-all. Eight three-pointers to him can offset a lot of struggles from the other guys. Fairly quiet nights by 1B and 1C, Jalen Brunson and R.J. Barrett, who combined for just 30 points between the two of them. Julius Randall, just a wrecking crew, and making a statement. Now, that's far more time than should be committed to a loss. But there is one other subject I wanted to briefly touch on here, and that is the Rui Hachimura trade. In what is perhaps the first move, really, that will hopefully kick off several others before February 9th, one of the options which I've seen discussed as a guy who maybe the Cavs should have been interested in, Rui Hachimura, he was traded to the Lakers for Kendrick Nunn and three second-round picks. And I've seen some people upset that, oh, well, he only cost three second-round picks. The Cavs missed their chance. A couple of thoughts on that. First of all, I don't know that Rui Hachimura was the ideal fit necessarily. Now, he was a solid three-point shooter last season in the short amount of games that he played. He shot 60% during his five-game playoff run. He was 9 for 15. And then over the course of the season and the games that he played, he shot about 45%. But career-wise, in extended time, He's proven to be a pretty average to mediocre three-point shooter, hovering around 33 to 34%. So while he has shown an ability to score, he certainly hasn't shown an ability to do much else in terms of his impact on the game, whether it be defensively or creating opportunities for others or even rebounding for a guy of his size. Now, I do like the move. Let me make that clear. I like the move for the Lakers because – they're able to bring in a guy who they will have his restricted free agency rights, meaning that they can retain him and they don't really have to worry about somebody swooping in and stealing him away from them because in all likelihood, Rui is not the level of player that's going to entice teams to throw a big offer sheet at him. He might see some 
mid-level offers, maybe even something slightly higher, but certainly nothing that I think the the Lakers would be hesitant to match because they're going to want one of their biggest problems this year is their the disparity between their big and small contracts have made trades difficult. They essentially had Kendrick Nunn, Pat Bev, and then the massive $47 million Russell Westbrook contract. But adding a guy in Rui, first of all, hopefully he proves to be a pretty effective player for them. That's obviously their desire. But if nothing else, even if he's just an average rotation player, the fact that they own his bird rights will allow them to retain him and create one of those mid-level contracts, the 10 plus million, maybe 11 million, whatever the kind of mid-level money is this year, I would expect him to get that or slightly more. And that gives them at least a little bit of stability moving forward and a marginal upgrade in terms of production over Kendrick Nunn in the short term. So essentially serving two masters, serving LeBron and his desire for the roster to get better, but also positioning themselves for more flexibility during next season, if they have to then flip Rui in another move that comes up. But as far as feeling bad for the Cavaliers because, why? well, why didn't they give this? Like, I would have I paid that amount. I think one thing to consider, and the Cavaliers have benefited from it themselves, is that Washington and the Lakers have made tons of trades over the last several years. I mean, Kyle Kuzma... Obviously, he went there. Montrezl Harrell, he went there. The Russell Westbrook deal. Thomas Bryant, he, even though he was a signing, and same thing with Troy Brown Jr. I mean, the Lakers have become the Wizards' West. A lot of the guys who are on that roster are now simply playing alongside LeBron. So I think the relationship that those teams have developed over the last few years, it probably helped to facilitate those sort of conversations. And we've certainly seen that with Utah. We made the Clarkson deal. Alec Burks, Rodney Hood, Jay Crowder, all those guys moved back and forth between our squads, and then look at that. We were able to cobble together a situation that benefited us in getting Donovan Mitchell. We had the same type of relationship with Houston. We made multiple deals with them, and that's probably why they benefited in that trade that helped them acquire Kevin Porter Jr. So I wouldn't feel all that bad about it. If anything, I hope it kicks off a bunch more moves. But I do like the move for the Lakers. I think it's a good, low-risk, low-cost acquisition. And despite the fact that they lost to the Clippers tonight, maybe it's a sign that they're not just going to punt on this season because Anthony Davis should be back at any moment based on everything that I've seen, maybe even perhaps before the All-Star break. So the Cavaliers will roll into the next game against the Houston Rockets looking to rebound on the front end of a back-to-back. So they're going to rip off two games in a row here. I'll probably do the next podcast after the second of those games. But thank you to everybody who joined me for the Fear the Fro podcast. And again, my apologies. I I caused this. I've done this a thousand times in my actual quote-unquote day job. I'm trying to save myself time. And instead of preparing opens or production pieces for all outcomes, I choose the one that I think is most likely. And then I make my production based on that. And I'd say I'm 80-20 failure rate there, where I end up just recreating the whole thing. But the way I look at it is this. I can put in twice the time to do two opens, knowing I'm going to throw one of them away, or I can just pick what I hope or think the outcome will be. And if I'm right, it's like I'm gambling, but with my time instead of my money. And it feels extra great to win 
and get time back because time is more valuable than money. There's a life lesson from the Fear the Fro podcast. Please, if you haven't already, subscribe, rate the podcast, review the podcast. It's been amazing how many people have done that in this short span here, and I am extra appreciative. So, more Fear the Fro on the way. Let's go out one more time. Fuck it, I'm going to play the song again, even though it didn't come true. The Knicks lose once again. A Fear the Fro production. Cleveland came in through the back door and nabbed the spider. Featuring CP the franchise and Stephen A. Smith. Yeah, this is in Brooklyn. They're further down the ladder, right next to Atlanta, where winning barely matters. This is what I'm going to put out there on the floor. Mediocre. Donovan's a Cavalier. He only comes to visit here. Born way up in Elmsford, practically Connecticut. Went to school in New Hampshire, already got ahead of it. Stayed away in high school, college, again in the league. Has the Knicks faithful singing, Oh, woe is me. Cruising next to Garland, star guard Axis, torching the untouchable Grimes out of Texas. U-town. Fro, he came from Brooklyn. Got him for a trash pick. Houston didn't want him so that they could get their ass kicked. I want a star. First, you lost Kyrie. I want a star. Followed up by KD. I want a star. Then you lost Donovan. But hey, Plan D. Jalen Brunson. In New York, none of your first options will come through. There's nothing you can do when you play in New York. Knicks catch another L. If you publicly say what we all knew, James Dolan might ban you. Feel sorry for New York, New York, New Facial recognition complete. Bob Schmidt. Banned.